You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Um, how ready are you approximately to talk about Teen Wolf? Just not, not at all. No. Okay, this Tuesday is also a Sunday, but also a Friday three weeks ago, right? Yeah, it is uh, existing somewhat outside of time, which means that the week is not passing fast enough for me. <laughs> like, and I hate it. Brain machine broke, right? Yeah, I also uh, got very little sleep last night, and so I'm just like, hmm. You're just time warping. I'm, I am not on this planet. Yeah. Somewhere else. Uh, Maybe that's the way we have to do it, you know? Perhaps, may have. If I'm too grounded, I just get angry. At this point, I'm just disappointed. I'm like, yeah, I'm your parents. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed, I'm just disappointed at disappointed. season five of Teen Wolf. Which is the worst feeling that you can feel because anger, it like goes away. You can kind of work through it. Disappointment runs deep, man. Yeah. And boy, does it boy howdy does it like and i've always said like i don't hold grudges anger is momentary like is a very momentary feeling for me uh thinking the season sucks is forever (laughs) (laughs) uh you know and i kind of thought i was so hopeful that we would feel more more positively toward it um upon a rewatch i thought our turnaround on season four was gonna like bring just joy into this season no, it just sucks. And here is my problem. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem uh-huh. is that I, uh, you know, I readily accept that this is a supernatural show and unexplainable things are going to happen, but it's usually so tight for the most part. Uh, I will say that the supernatural is not the things that I don't understand in this season. Yeah, um, but I think that there that there's some sort of feeling like, oh, this is a supernatural show. If things don't make sense, it's no big deal. But it is a big deal. No, because it, in the last yeah. four epi- four seasons, you guys have made such an effort to like keep the the human heart and the logic in the show. And this whole episode, keep, people keep talking about the wild hunt and stuff, and I'm like, uh, skip straight to that. Yeah, we love the wild hunt. It was so good. It's good. And there were moments in this episode I liked. Moments. Very few. Small little fragments. Um, (laughs) But mostly I was confusion. And it's unfortunate. I mean, we're not doing it this way because we're doing season five as one collective season. But this should be a finale and was a finale at one point. And um, what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, okay, I don't. both in the Y sense, but also in the, in the okay, sense. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I remember uh, watching this, and yeah, I was binging, and I know that sometimes like you miss things when you're binging because you're like looking at your phone. I don't do that. I do that. I do. Yeah, constantly. When I, pick, when I pick things out to watch, I'm like, could I feasibly be on my phone the entire time this is playing? Yeah, big screen, little screen. Yeah, well, this is a hard thing when you watch things that uh, are not in English mm-hmm. um, because you'll be like, oh, I don't have to pay attention to this. And then you'll be like, I don't speak Norwegian. <laughs> Hold on, go back. Rewind. Um, yeah, and I just remember watching it and thinking to myself, did I skip episodes accidentally? Did I just black out in the middle of watching this? Um, highly possible. Highly possible. Um, you know, the Dread Doctors just make you forget that you've ever seen them, and perhaps they were having that same effect on me. I do like the idea that, like, we could get to the end of season five and then just be like, oh, I don't remember anything <laughs> we watched. 
You know, that's a, that seems like a real possibility to yeah, me. Yeah, but we did talk about it here on the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My Look, name is Christian, and there was something wrong with me. And I'm Julia, and there's something similarly wrong with me. And you know, I you know, I feel like it's such a bummer to start the episode this way. Let's let's start it a little bit better. So we did get a new review on iTunes. Oh my god, yeah, we did. And as you guys know, if you leave us five stars and leave us a review, we read it out loud to show you that we are endlessly appreciative. And while Julia is pulling that up, I'll plug our other stuff. Um, We've had a lot of people order our stickers on Redbubble. You guys can find those links in our socials. Uh, Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf is our handle on pretty much everything. Um, If you want to buy a Teen Wolf sticker and you get, get your stickers, I know that me and Julia have both received some of ours. Take pictures and send them to us so we can see them. Um, and also if you guys want to buy us a coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Free Wolf. We're not asking, but the link is in the bios. Um, we just have felt so overwhelmed by the extreme amount of, um, support we've seen in the last couple of weeks, which is very funny because we have never been less supportive of Teen Wolf. So, so thanks. <laughs> Julia, take it away. Yes. Yeah, so this is a five star review from who cares 151. Who cares? You're right. <laughs> from the United States. So. Yeah. Yep. Great. Um, True Alphas says, I have a disease where I cannot watch any teen shows without also listening to podcasts about them. When I watch trash, I go hard. This podcast has been the perfect answer to my need for more Teen Wolf content. I feel like I'm sitting with my best friends lovingly dunking on the masterpiece that was Teen Wolf. These girls perfectly encapsulate the paradox of Teen Wolf's stupidest, most inconceivable moments with its surprisingly genuine and complex ones and laugh the whole way through. They also correctly recognize who the true main characters of the show are justice for the ladies of teen wolf featuring styles if you suffer from the same disease as me these are your girls these midwestern midwestern these midwestern queens you just sounded like you're from minnesota there eh? no not from minnesota these midwestern queens have a bone to pick with capitalism and copaganda and for that they are the true alphas hey man we appreciate that and this review i think made me feel sort of like Ah, we've reached our audience. Yeah. Because we're sitting here and we're complaining about Teen Wolf and we're like, this season sucks. But frankly, it's because we uh, demand so much more from it than we would from any other show because we do love it and it because we know it has the potential to be so good. So forgive our dulcet tones, but yeah, it's lovingly dunking. Yeah. it Less love this season, but primarily it's lovingly dunking. We would not be here doing this if we didn't love Teen Wolf. And um, uh, we would also not be here doing it if we didn't have audience members like, you know, the people we hear from every day and stuff like that. Like, it's great to hear you guys also complain about Teen Wolf. You can come to us with complaints at any time. Yeah. And also disagreements. People are always like, I just disagree with you guys sometimes, but then don't specify. And I'm like... Tell well, us. <laughs> we're never going to expand our opinions if you guys don't participate. But no, that was a really sweet review, and we're just really happy to hear it and happy that you guys are engaging. Um, and we need to re-engage in this episode. Season 5, episode 10, Status Asthmaticus. <laughs> Girl, that is so dumb. They predicted how dumb this episode was with the title. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, if I write it in something that resembles Latin... It'll sound so cool, but no, it just makes you sound like a dweeb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't like it. Um, it was written by Ian Stokes and directed by Russell Mulcahy. Love Russell. It felt like a Russell episode. It did. Kind of. It was a little too PC. I I wonder how long the original draft of this episode was because it was another one of those episodes of Teen Wolf that has like a bunch of like 30 second scenes. And I'm like, what was going on in the editor's room? 
Yeah, it, it really is just kind of the way that they get put together because when I'm sitting down and I'm like writing my notes, I often kind of wait for a few scenes because I want to keep the thread of what's happening between certain characters, but I don't want to have to intersplice it with all these other random scenes. And I would always rather us get, like, there's, uh, I think the one that really frustrated me in this episode is that we kept on going back to Parrish and Lydia, and I would have loved just a four-minute straight scene of them talking. And, like... Yeah. There's... Especially because there's so little um, human connection going on in this episode. Um... I think we could have used that. It feels sort of like a cheater's um, attempt at like upping the pacing. I, I would rather have it be slow and be able to follow it. Yeah. Frankly. And either way, it does not accomplish what I think it was trying to accomplish. The stakes feel very low to me throughout this whole episode. Yeah. And it's not even really because we know what's happening because as proven by our <laughs> season not. five discussion, we don't. Uh, yeah. We also think, I mentioned this to you all, we were watching, like, I think a lot of the emotional um, aspects are sort of undeserved. Yeah. But we're going to get more into that in our discussion. Unfortunately, we first have to do uh, the Zigzags I can recap. It is unfortunate because you have to go first. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> If we were in front of a firing squad and they were like, which of you wants to go first? And there was no getting out. I'd be like, me, duh. At the same time, I don't want to watch you go first. Well, you're going to do it right now. So, (laughs) Firing squad versus trying to recap the episode we literally just watched. This feels like a firing squad. I feel like I'm on death row. All right. Well, uh, in that case, I'm just not. I'm just not going to give you time to think about oh it. Oh my god! Oh god! Oh. I'm just going to say. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking you're about gonna it. You're going to recap this episode in three, two, one, go. So Scott and Liam fight about uh, biting Hayden, and then the jeep breaks down, and Styles like throws a wrench, and then dispatches having all these crazy animal attacks, and then uh, the Beacon Hill sign is thrown into the high school, and then Melissa tries uh, chelation therapy on Hayden, and then um, the sheriff gets uh, Styles' ID returned to him, and he's like, "Hey, hold on." And then Theo offers to talk to the Packer Scott, and then Lydia and Parrish are talking through the jail cell and then uh, Malia picks up Styles, and the jeep is towed and then uh, Lydia asks Parrish if he's ever been afraid of her and Parrish tells her, tells her that he's been dreaming of her and then Lydia talks about the wild hunt and then figures out that he is a uh, hellhound and then Scott promises to get Valerie for Hayden and then leaves and then Malia admits that she knew about Donovan and didn't say anything to Styles because it didn't matter to her. Parrish and Lydia keep talking and she dips to go to the library about the wild hunt thing. Uh, Theo shows up and knocks her out. Theo appears to Malia at her den. Somehow he knows where it is. Melissa and, and Liam take Hayden to the hospital. Uh, Parrish es- escapes and Theo tells Malia that he'll help her kill her mother if she helps him. Uh, Scott goes to the school and Theo kidnaps Malia. Parrish uh, leaves and, and Styles follows. Time. Oh my god, I was not even halfway through. No, but you had a lot of specificity. I... Um, did not it did not even register to me what kind of therapy Melissa was trying for Hayden. Well, I told so. you before we started, I wrote down canama therapy <laughs> and then just hoped I remembered what it was called. Um, yeah, you know what? Do you want to pick up where I left off? I sure. think that where, might be the where most did you leave off? I actually. left off <laughs> at um, uh, Parish leaving jail and Styles uh, following him. Okay, did I even write that down? Uh, do you want a different starting point? Um, I'll just start at Malia at the 
cave. At the cave? Yeah. The den. Her home. Um, Are you ready? Sure. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so Malia's um, at her cave, and Theo's like, well, I'll teach you how to shapeshift. Malia's just like, we have to take Hayden to the hospital because she's dying. Um, Theo locks Malia up, we think, um, and Liam is like frantic for Scott, and he's not answering. Um, Theo ends up trapping Scott in a circle of Mountain Ash in the library. Malia has to fight that um, weird creature who's drinking blood. Um, Scott's inhaler, he realizes, is filled with wolfsbane, and Liam comes to confront slash kill him. Um, Mason gets to Liam, uh, goes to get Liam because Hayden is like actually dying. Brayden saves Malia and is like, hey, the desert wolf is coming after you because she knows that you're alive. Um, Parrish goes and gets the bodies. Theo and um, Styles are have that little confront confrontation, and Styles is like, "Hey, fuck you." Um, Liam is about to kill Scott when Mason comes in and is like, "Hayden's dot." dead now um and then theo's like well i'm just gonna kill scott because this is absolutely ridiculous styles um ends up saving his dad thank god uh, where was he Parrish um ends up coming for hayden and liam gives her up which is very nice um melissa comes in to give dead scott cpr and brings him back to life um theo does the claws memory thing with lydia to get to the information with Ooh, the nematon oh you so are close done. running out of breath yes so theo figures out where the nematode is through lydia's brain juice um pretty gross disgusting yeah uh he shoots up all of like four of the dead chimeras with the nazi um like biohazard <laughs> fluid uh and they re they wake up they're reanimated they're reanimated magically um yeah and then he's like i'm your alpha and they follow him for some reason uh Lydia is left at the nematode. Scott is brought back to life. And the Dread Doctors knock down a wall in their bunker to demonstrate a very beautiful piece of street art of a hellhound fighting Le Bet du Gévedon. It's, it's demo. And they're chanting, they're like, La Bet, La Bet. <laughs> it's demo day. <laughs> it's demo day. <laughs> <laughs> the dread doctors yeah, the dread doctors um, <laughs> chip and joanna Gaines show up and they're like it's demo day here in waco texas and look at this beautifully preserved mural we found under the tile i'm not being parasocial but it would make me sad <laughs> if anything were to happen to the Gaines family oh i would be devastated i actually mentioned something about uh hgtv at work the other day and everyone's like you watch hgtv and i was like what you guys don't want Oh, oh! you guys actually don't watch HGTV. I was really bummed out. It is the best smooth brain content available. Next to Food Network, which I also love. Yeah. Um, But I will say, like, the drama of Love It or List It. I hate Love It or List It. It's too manufactured. But House Hunters? (laughs) House Hunters International? Island Hunters. (laughs) That shit's crazy. People buy islands and they do it on HGTV. The thing that I desperately, desperately want is a breakdown of how many married couples who were on House Hunters who ended up getting divorced and how long it took. Dude, okay. Because 90% of those people should not be married. Here's my impression of every um, couple on House Hunters. Babe, babe, look, crown molding. Babe, babe, I love a kitchen island. Babe, 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 babe. Oh, don't you like this granite? Babe, babe, we could have the laundry room on the top floor. And then him being like, babe, uh, I just need a man cave. <laughs> and you're like, oh, he has never once done a chore and she is very stressed out. And that is, all, yeah. So I'm assuming the divorce rate is 100% on house owners. Well, they also never have normal jobs. No. It's like, I do pet portraits and my husband eats hot dogs yeah. for money. <laughs> you know? 
Like, it doesn't make any sense why they can afford a, and our like max budget is it's five million, million dollars. dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, how? How? Yeah. Yeah, but I. She is a freelance <laughs> butterfly, and he sometimes leaves the house. <laughs> Um, Wait, next <laughs> podcast, HGTV <laughs> reviews. I would have a smooth brain by the time we oh finish that. I have a smooth brain talking about this. This episode, which we are going to talk about through the theme of betrayal. Oh, the dominoes. You know what I feel betrayed by? Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's obviously like betrayal is sort of uh, both the theme of the season um, but it's also, this is like kind of when it culminates for all of our characters, when they all actually realize they're being betray- betrayed by various, not even just Theo, like there's more than one betrayal in this, in this episode. Um, I think that Liam feels betrayed by Scott. And then they all go and act on it, which is never good. No. Nope. Yeah. Who, who would you like to bring forth into this conversation first? Liam. Liam. Poor... Sweet baby. Who is on absolute supermoon juice and like cannot control his angie even more so than usual. Yeah, did we mention that? But what in the last episode they're like the perigy whatever. Supermoon is coming. Oh my god. The giant supermoon. I feel like it's, there's a supermoon yeah. every day, you know. In Teen Wolf, yeah. No, but also in real life. I feel like people are like, Oh my god, aren't you so excited for the supermoon? like the one that happened like three months ago? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Everybody's really hyped. I was like, the moon's going to be pink tonight. And you're like, "Mm, it's puce. (laughs) It is slightly a different shade than it is normally. Yeah. Congrats. Um, Yeah. Everybody, not just This is not moon slander, by the way. No, we love the moon. I love the moon, but you know what I'm saying? I actually think I have like a saved text from you from the literal years ago when I texted you we were in completely different states and I was like you have to go look at the moon right now and you texted me like an hour later and you're like mm, yeah that was really worth it oh so we are moon people moon people um moon children <laughs> anyway speaking of moon children Liam is off his absolute rocker um because he is experiencing grief in a way that he has never experienced ever before in his life and it's funny because it actually is even directly referenced to Scott's grief over Allison. Mm. Um, and Liam is still new to this. You know, Liam really hasn't lost anybody. Like the Deadpool was crazy, but he didn't know any of those people. Um, yeah. He's been experiencing death as an outsider. And so this is the biggest betrayal because it has always felt like Scott can save everybody to him who does not know that <laughs> that is not true yet. You know? Yeah. And I think there have been some moments where people have tried to kind of bring Liam into that or like Allison being very obliquely referred to. Um, but it's really just frustrating because it kind of feels like Scott is putting out this false sense of being able to save everyone and like this false sense of confidence that Liam has latched onto, um, even though Scott at this point is just not even feeling it. Yeah. But kind of the way that he positioned himself to be able to gain Liam's trust is like, you'll be safe with me. Well, I think there's a definite, uh, conversation to be had of over the fact that like Scott did actually betray Liam. He has not been fulfilling the alpha duties as we have seen him previous. In fact, he actually has been sort of resting on his laurels of being like, I'm right. And everything's going to work out. And you know, 
being really hubristic about this whole thing. And then when it crumbles, of course people are disappointed in him. And I, while I think that Liam's um, anger is slightly misdirected because it really is more of a manifestation of grief rather than the reaction to what he experiences as a, as a betrayal, I think that there is like an honest um, argument to be made that Scott did betray him. Oh yeah. I Bad dad central. <laughs> I really feel that, Liam is kind of the only person in this episode whose anger feels like righteous to me. Um, despite the fact that I do not understand his fixation with Hayden. Um, they <clears throat> met like three days ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't get that, but they've known each other since. Yeah. They only stopped hating each other three days three, ago. Literally three days ago. I think it would have been more impactful if like Mason had gotten wrapped up in it. Yeah. Um, but whatever. And I think it's so interesting that I will say like Teen Wolf, sorry, going back to that, uh, Teen Wolf has always had a big thing over prioritizing like male relationships. Um, and while I think that it does the male platonic relationship a lot better than a lot of shows do, uh, yeah, the last time we ever saw somebody experience like a human emotion with a woman, I'm pretty sure it was like in season three and it was like (laughs) Styles and Lydia. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to continue, this is the thing when you are doing a show that is set in a high school and you are trying to bring in the younger generation and you're trying to make direct parallels and you are trying to bring the audience to kind of understanding why we need to care about these new characters. You need to parallel things that have happened in the past. So the fact that they don't do that at all with Mason is kind of nuts to me. Well, I also just think they know they also don't have to do that. How much more interesting would it be if like... Hayden and Liam started as best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, something. Anyway. Something. Back to our discussion of betrayal. So Scott uh, is doing a bad job, and you're right. Like, I think that out of all of the anger experienced in this, that his is the most righteous. Because right now, Scott uh, is angry and betrayed, but it's also his fault. He led everybody to this. Uh, Styles' anger is also a little bit with Scott but with himself like what Liam is going through is sort of the most pure emotion I think we experience in this episode yeah it's kind of funny actually because um in in the earlier part of the episode I think it's Theo who's like uh, 16 and they met each other three days ago someone makes a comment like that Mm -hmm. um and Scott is like oh I I remember that but Liam is positioned as as being so much younger than all of these other characters, like emotionally. Um, and I think that really starts to show. And the fact that Scott is not more concerned with protecting him. Um, I think I would be really frustrated in that situation because I, I'm the baby. Like it's really tough to realize that like the adults and Scott's not an adult, but he is like the authority figure that they're the people who are supposed to be protecting you. Um, and doing everything that they can to like save the people that you want to save. Yeah. And from Liam's perspective, he's not, Scott's not doing that. You know, let's, let's move on to talk about Scott then, because do you think that like biting off more than you can chew and over like extending promises, do you think that that is something that inherently results in betrayal? Um, not necessarily betrayal, but certainly disappointment. Um, and I think it can easily be misconstrued as betrayal because I think when, when, when we talk about betrayal, it seems like something that is really, um, intentional. 
it's not an accident. Like I would choose to betray someone. Um, and from Liam's perspective, like Scott choosing not to bite Hayden, um, is like defiant and really purposeful. And I think Liam views it as kind of like a, well, fuck you kind of a thing. Even though Scott tries to explain the reasons that he won't do it. Um, so I think there's like this sense of miscommunication where some people are feeling betrayed, even though it's not the intention. Um, and hurt feelings all around that like it spirals into worse feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a, like a little bit of, um, I think, like I said, like hubris is, is not only sort of a betrayal against the gods to speak literally, but also against your own perception of self. And I think that Scott does take that on, you know, he is betrayed by Theo, but he also, very much allows himself to be betrayed by Theo. The only person, and Theo mentions this in the episode that kind of is on his side immediately, is Malia, and it's because it's a sort of like, you know, game-recognized game coyote deal. Yeah. It is bonkers that Scott betrayed Styles enough to not believe him that something was off about Theo. And what I, what I find so strange about all of this is that for the last couple of episodes, Scott has been saying really explicitly that he feels that something is wrong with his pack. And instead of like doing everything he can to try and correct whatever might be wrong, he just kind of steers into the skid and is like, well, this might as well happen. You know what? And I think that this is a life lesson that most people, specifically people with roommates, needs to hear. This is not a problem for us, but you'll, you'll, you'll know <laughs> okay. where I'm going with this. Uh, if everyone around you is crazy, you're the common denominator. True. True. Yes. We both thought of the same roommate. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Um, Sc- yeah. Scott uh, can recognize that there's a problem um, and just does not think to fix it in literally any well well i think mm. that he is so determined to dig his heels in that what he is doing is right that he's like it will right itself i think that scott has bought so far into this regression to the mean bullshit he doesn't realize just how bad it can get before it regresses yeah and i also i don't know every time i i we try to dig a little deeper into this. I'm like, am I reaching? Are we reaching? Um, um, I think if Teen Wolf is going to reach that <laughs> far, we can reach this far. So, But I, I found it so interesting in the fight between Liam and Scott that he does try to tell Liam like the reasons that he won't bite Hayden. But one of the things that he keeps saying is that like Theo can't take my true alpha power. Only you can do that. Like He seems kind of preoccupied with that being the reason that like Theo wants him dead or that maybe Liam wants him dead. And he has, I don't know. It feels kind of one of those moments where it's like, I'm the true alpha. I think that Scott does have control issues. Mm -hmm. I think we've seen that before. Um, But I think that this is actually sort of like, and I think Scott goes through this in the next half of the season and sort of, recovers as the next couple seasons play out. I think that he 
he's experienced, like, I think he's betraying himself. Like, I think that that is actually the way that he's experiencing it most, like, betrayal most wholly in this episode is that he has sort of, you know, rescinded, rescinded, like, a lot of his original standings and how he views the world. And he has never been, been particularly interested in power. And that's why it was always so compelling to have him be the most powerful person. But now it seems like he is a little bit more preoccupied with that and maintaining control over his pack and maintaining status quo. And that is a betrayal on his own character by the writers. Yeah. I think it's so much less about Scott wanting, wanting power than recognizing that he has it and being scared that it's going to be taken away from him. Yeah. Um, one, because his power is how he saves people, but two power corrupts. That is like a thesis of the show. Yes. Um, and one of the things that I kept thinking about while we were watching this, um, especially like when it comes to Theo and I feel like when we're talking about betrayal, we're kind of always talking about Theo in this episode anyway. Um, and in this whole season, because he is the one who's kind of orchestrating all of these breakdowns of communication and friendship. Um, and it reminds me of the alpha pack because to be part of the alpha pack means that you need to kill like everyone in your pack. You need to get rid of any person that you might have any sort of like emotional connection to. Um, like how can you be betrayed if you don't have any personal connections Yeah, to anyone? Um, and I just think it's so interesting the way that like Theo has kind of moved all of these chess pieces into place so that you have to make the choice to like get rid of the people who could betray you yeah. or realize like I would never do that to you. Mm-hmm. Like who can you trust? Who can you Theo not trust? Theo is the absolute epitome of gaslight gatekeep girl, girl boss. boss. Yeah. <laughs> he does it. He just, he wins. Um, let's, let's move into talking um, a little bit about one of the objects of Scott's betrayal, which is styles. Again. And we talked about this in our, in our last episode where this kind of emotional revelation feels really flat a little. Yeah. Um, and they don't even really, they don't interact this whole episode. No. And we do see styles. It's, you know, what's crazy is that I think that there is one last bit of styles that needs to believe that he hasn't been betrayed. And that's why he calls Theo, which is so funny. Because Theo in the past would have been the absolute last person that he would ever like go to in a moment of need. Well, it's funny because, because, uh, Theo positioned himself to be the liaison between the two. Once the fallout happened, Styles really has no other option, you know? And Scott, again, bonkers, let Theo become that. It would be a really different, really different in the series if we had scenes of Scott and Theo hanging out and getting to know each other. Bonding. Bonding. And not just in some sort of weird, like, you know, war room style, like, pack advice, you know, trauma bonding. Yeah. I just need- no, I need to actually see Scott see parts of Styles in Theo that he latches on to when he can't trust Styles like he thinks he used to. Like, it is so that relationship building is so weak, but yeah, like styles is so betrayed by Scott that he actually has to go to his betrayer in, in attempts to reach out to him. It's a little bit like the enemy of my enemy is my friend (laughs) a little. Yeah. 
which is kind of, I don't know, how Styles may have been looking at Theo for a while now. Yeah. Um, because if you can't lick him, join him. You know, like if, if Scott is going to keep this man around, this boy king around. Um, Let's just call him a bitch. Yeah, this little bitch around. Um, then Styles ha- kind of has to figure out a way to make it work for him. Um, and it's a bummer. Uh, to see that he and like Styles is kind of the king of getting what he wants and like talking himself into things, and he obviously can't talk himself into um, having Theo not betray him or like having that not be the truth. Yeah. Do you think this is a leading question? Do you think it is a betrayal for Styles to get his dad? You know. No, no. I think, well, first of all, I think we were headed there. Secondly, I think that there is precedence for Scott Styles like leaving it all on the table for his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his only parent. And I think, you know, in a vice versa situation, like Scott would do that for his mom. Totally. Um, I just, when I, the only reason I asked that question is because we have, do not see Sheriff this whole episode. Very briefly at the beginning. Yeah. But what it sounds like when Theo pitches that ultimatum to him is that Scott is actually in way more danger. Yeah. Well, it's... I I don't know. I I think we start out and we're like, oh, the dominoes are falling. The, like, everything is coming into place. But there's actually just not enough dominoes. Like, I don't know what is happening to the sheriff like what's wrong with him what's going to happen to him when liam is thrown into that well i know that he's gonna drown if scott doesn't get to him yeah like that is the point yes (laughs) the fact that there are absolutely no consequences laid out in this episode for us to actually latch onto. like yeah malia's in like a closet or something but she gets out easy and then there's just some guy she fights yeah there's no And Theo is literally everywhere. And I think it's actually hard to calculate how strong betrayals are when the consequences are unclear. I would agree. Um, Yeah, because all of these, all of these relationships between these characters have uh, kind of shifted out of focus this entire season, because I kind of wanted to talk about the interaction between Styles and Malia. And I don't even know that I would call it a betrayal, but because they haven't spent any time together it just like they miss each other completely yeah and are incapable of having a genuine exchange where if that was coming off of the whole big like why didn't you tell me peter was my dad type of thing that was happening in season four it would make so much more sense but they leave season four on good terms and start this season on good terms so what and, and she, why haven't, and you know, we've been complaining. We always complain about how the fact that the women are underrepresented in this show. It has been so incredibly apparent this season that all of our interactions with Kira and Malia and Lydia come off the backs of the men in the show. And it is, they are never the focal point of their scenes. No. Except for kind of Lydia and Parrish, but that grosses me out for a different reason. Yeah. It's really frustrating because 
I want Malia to have a function within the pack beyond being Styles' girlfriend. And I think that season five was a really great place for that to happen. And not that she doesn't have her own relationships with these people. And we have started to So we're to moving see, into the Malia conversation? I yeah. guess. Like, we have started to see a little bit of it. Um, but because she is so explicitly defined by her relationship to Styles and that he is the one who like she relies on so heavily um, and she practically lives at his house is the thing that we're kind of like led to believe like she's integrated into that family unit um, and she's integrated into the pack through styles. Like she has a connection with Scott, but that's kind of her way in and they haven't had, they haven't spent any time together this entire season. No. Well, and you know what? Hmm. I actually think that, including Malia could have absolutely saved the way this season went out with Scott and Styles. And I said this to you while we were watching. She says that line about how she always knew about Donovan, but it didn't matter. Nothing doesn't actually matter. You no, know, it, does it affect her opinion of Styles? No, but it does matter. And if she knew that that was something he was upset about, and we know that Malia is working really hard on empathy, she would without a doubt bring it up to him. And that's another thing that goes back to what we've been saying about how miscommunication is the absolute laziest way of laying out this plot line. Uh, yeah, I hate miscommunication in 90% of cases. And like you were just saying, that is kind of retconning all of the work that Malia has been doing to be a human. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that she didn't bring it up because this happens so early in the season. Yeah. And she says nothing. Yeah. And not only her, but like, you know, Theo brings it up it's like oh well didn't you smell that like styles had a cut on his shoulder everybody was just ignoring well he does or, feed scott like yeah. the bullshit about you know his truck falling on him which is very likely because that thing is a, a hunk of bolts but yeah it was just one of those things where it was like oh shit we forgot to do anything with them this whole season uh and I actually liked some parts of that scene because I really do think Malia would, her opinion of styles would not change because Malia already has the sort of guilt on her conscience of like having taken life. You know, her eyes are already blue and she already knows that she is the person she is in spite of that. And styles can be the person he is in spite of that. And I actually think, again, it's lazy to not try to include that in the plot line. I think that the smartest thing they could have done if they wanted to actually throw this out here is have Styles kill Donovan, tell Scott, and Scott not forgive him. Yeah, it's, mm, it's lazy. And I also, I find it so telling that when Theo is talking about the members of the pack, um, and the reason that he wanted to come to Beacon Hills and the reason that all of these hum these people are special, the way that he talks about Malia, he's like, you know, I wanted the were coyote whose first instinct is to kill. And we have watched Malia this entire season and in much of the previous work so hard against that. Mm -hmm. And so one for, I mean, it makes sense that Theo has kind of that misguided understanding of who these people are, but to have her be like, I don't care 
suggests that she doesn't care about Donovan dying, which I don't think is what she means. She means, like you were saying, that it doesn't change her perception of styles. But for her to say that I don't care that this human being lost their life, that puts her and styles at odds immediately. Yeah. Yep. It is infuriating. I also want to say, like, in terms of betrayal, back on theme, do you think she betrayed Styles by not bringing it up earlier? Do you think that would have helped? As, I mean, in the sense where it's not just some sort of lazy, bad writing. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think it's an act of betrayal? No. Um, I mean, it feels weird, uh, especially in light of the whole you didn't tell me about Peter being my dad thing. Like, you'd think that she would kind of want and demand that kind of communication. She'd be like, I've had you lie to me before, right? Yeah. So in the better version of this story, <laughs> it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Moving on a little bit to Malia's side plot. Um, I think, you know, killing your children or wanting to kill your children is sort of like the most sort of taboo of all betrayals. Heinous. Yeah. Um, and the fact that her mom knows she's alive and is coming back to finish the job. I wish we'd focus more on Malia. I want to talk about that. How, what would that do to your brain? To know that your mom was going to kill you. What would that do at to least your brain? Ma- at least <laughs> Medea's kids didn't know, you know? Well, and we... I'm not going to say this because I'm sure I'm wrong. But at this moment, we do not know why Yeah, the Desert Wolf wants her dead. I have no idea. I don't, um, I don't actually know if it's ever explained. I don't know either, but I'm not going to go confidently and say that it isn't because... Because we'll get a DM about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I... I Malia, I think, has just spent so much of her life being betrayed or misled intentionally, purposefully by people who are trying to help her. Um, You know, she was led to believe that she was the one who caused the crash. It wasn't. It was her mother. Like, it's, it's sort of a betrayal of your basic instincts to want to kill your child or like your mother, you know? Yeah. Um, horrible. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're going to see a little bit more of that in the upcoming season. I wish Malia had been a way bigger part of 5A. The girls in general. I... Yeah. Am, and, and what is so frustrating is I think in, like, a lesser show, I would be sitting here saying, I just don't care about the the relationship between the men in this series because so often their friendships are not as well written or as well developed as the friendships between women. But Teen Wolf does not have that problem. And the fact that I'm struggling so hard to care at all is crazy. Yep. Again, we were betrayed. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Lydia and Parrish. I don't know if I can necessarily say that Lydia is being betrayed by anybody. But I think that there is a point when they realize that they have been betrayed by life. When he's like, is that the reason why I like being around you or something like that? He like both mentions that they are like bearers or harbingers of death. And he's like, and she asks, you know, do you, do I scare you? I think that there is a moment where they realize that like their powers completely isolate them from the rest of the world who would rather not think about death ever at all. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, given my 
vocal disapproval of the way this relationship unfolds. I think that was actually one of the parts I really liked about this episode when you realize that you do flock to the people who experience life the same way you do because it feels like not being able to live amongst the normal is a it feels personal. It feels like a betrayal. It does. And the value of being seen like truly by another person is incalculable. Um and I don't know. I think there there's like camaraderie in being betrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, Misery, you know, yeah. it loves company. company. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did really enjoy the moments between Lydia and and Parrish, and I think because you know that you're that you're betrayed by life, um, that you don't fit into the norm. Of course, you're trying to find reasons to like justify the way you, the reason that you are the way you are. Um, and so like Lydia figuring out what parish is for the first time is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think comforting, even though she doesn't really get to tell him. No, but she does have the conversation where he he's like, is it better to know? And it, she ultimately decides that yes, it is. That, that doesn't it, make it not like scary or upsetting. People have explicitly said multiple times in the last couple of episodes of the season that it is better when everybody knows about anything. Which is why it's so frustrating that nobody knows shit fuck. And it's like, <laughs> I actually would rather the miscommunication be genuine rather than withheld communication because that's what it is. Yeah. It, well, it's <sighs> lazy. I, I don't have any <laughs> other ways to say it. No, no, no. It's it. Well, I think that the annoying thing is, is that it actually thinks it's being really smart. But again, if Styles says something to Scott and Scott misinterprets it, that is miscommunication and that's interesting. If Scott and Styles have no more than like 20 minutes of screen time together in this whole friggin' season, that's frustrating. You are purposefully not executing miscommunication because you want it. You're doing it the easy way. Have fun. Great. Well, so perhaps the issue is not even miscommunication. It's just a complete lack of communication. Yes. So that when you finally get together and you have that confrontation, you have no like history to be pulling on. Yeah. Which is why I think so much of this, the like emotional scenes in this feel so forced. Oh God. There is this whole, there is this whole thing where Malia and Styles are talking about the Jeep because it's being towed. And she's like, you could fix it with something more than duct tape. And he starts listing all the things that's wrong with it. And I'm like, okay, are you telling me that this is, are you telling me with your words that this is a metaphor for you and Scott? Cause I haven't seen it this entire season. So you're just using the car as the metaphor. I also like it's okay. I think if the car was going to be as big of a character in the season, it needed to be a bigger character not a huge character, not maybe not as big as this season, but a bigger char- character in the other seasons, right? Yeah, right. Um, it just feels it feels convenient, and that's what frustrates me. Yes, you know what? Hughes hmm. knows. Let's let's do it. Unless you have anything else to add, do you have anything fun to say about your day or anything that we can just sort of lighten up the mood? My day. Yeah. Uh, it was really beautiful outside. It was so lovely today. Summer in Chicago was gorgeous. Yeah. I also had just like a really sweet human moment when I was walking home because um, some man was trying to talk to me on the street and I'm always just like, okay. And he's like, oh, hey, could you just like stop and wait? Because I'm not sure if my brake lights are on. 
And he was just testing his brake lights. And I was like, oh man, look, you're good. You're good to go. I was happy that I could stop for a moment and tell that man that he was not about to get pulled over because his brake lights weren't working. Like that just felt so uh, normal yeah. to me. There really is those positive. moments where men will stop you, especially in cars. And you're like, uh, oh my God. <laughs> no. But then they're like, wait, do you know how to get to so-and-so street? And you're like, Oh, just directions. I sure good. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I kind of love, I love when you can feel like you participate in your community, even in small ways. Yes. Yes. Do you I, have something positive to share no, about at, your day? I was at work all day. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cues and O's. Do you have any questions? Um, I mean, just like questions that cannot possibly be answered. Like how is Theo literally everywhere? Oh my God. What, does he, is he like everywhere? Is he the Flash? Um, I don't know. I feel like there's the implication that there are tunnels under Beacon Hills, but they cannot be that extensive, and he cannot run. He does not run that no, quickly. No, no, no. Especially when it's stuff like nobody can ever find the Nematode, and they have to search forever. And even if you know where it is, it's really far away. And Malia's den isn't anywhere near it, and he's in school, and he's in the blah 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 blah. What the hell? This episode takes place over. One day. One day, and he seemingly goes uh, all over Beacon Hills seven times over. Yeah. He never has to have, he doesn't even have to fill that big ass truck up for gas. Come on. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. There are so many, I feel like there are so many blanks in this episode, which is crazy because it feels so frenetic. Um, but like, I don't know how he gets from point A to point B. I don't know when he's like staring at that little key and he throws it away. I'm like, what's, what's the what's key the to key for? I guess it's to lock Malia in, but it doesn't freaking stop her. And you know what? I, I said, I mentioned like, I don't know what was happening in the, ed- in the editor's room. I honestly think that they just didn't have a lot to work with and they put together the best episode they could. I generally think that about editors. I like to think that there is incredible integrity in that craft because it is so incredibly difficult. And yes, if that was the episode they put out, what the hell did that shooting script look like? I would love to 99 times out of a hundred. If you really like a movie, you have so much, you owe so much to the editors. Yes. Of that. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. How the fuck does Theo know about void styles? A phrase that is never once uttered in Teen Wolf. I think it was kind of a joke. If I remember correctly, it was kind of a joke by MTV and then was really, really harped on by the fandom. Um, how the hell does he know to say that phrase? How the hell does he know that Kira is a dark kitsune and that, you know, all of this stuff about all of these people, you can't just sit here and be like, well, the dread doctors have been watching. No, they haven't. Cause where nope. the hell have they been? No, it seems ridiculous and to it, me. It feels so gratuitous and fan servicey in a way that fans would be like, again, fans of the show would be like, uh, how the hell does he know that? Right. 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 And what's weird is there have been other people who have come into the show being like, I heard rumors about a powerful alpha in Beacon Hills. But that, they like don't know it's Scott or they don't, like, know, don't know what the deal is. They don't know it's Scott. They, why would they know? The only thing that I can think of, um, where he would kind of have gotten that information is the Deadpool maybe. Um, because that seems to involve like all supernatural creatures, but three B seems really insular to that community. Yeah. Like he wouldn't know that yeah. styles was a Nugitsune. Again, what are you? I don't know. Better, better. He's yeah. no longer a Nugitsune. And like Theo even says that. So what is the point of styles? The point of styles is that he is human. Yes. Um, but Theo doesn't seem to know that. Yeah. So what the fuck? Dumb. Dumb. How does he get everywhere? How does he know this stuff? It's just like, 
they sort of introduced this weird like omnipotence to Theo that never worked because we were not given enough information to see how he was understanding this stuff. We don't even understand season five. He is also, and this is a complaint I think that a lot of adults have when they watch like teen shows where they're like, these characters are 16, 17 years old. How can they pull this stuff off? And a lot of times I am very willing to extend the benefit of the doubt. Always. To teenagers. This is our genre. Yeah. Um, But after a certain point, like I really think that if you stretch reality far enough, I'm like, I just don't buy it. You just can't suspend your disbelief anymore. And I really think that there was a way to introduce all this stuff. If we had seen the dread doctors giving Theo like a friend file folder of information about everything that's been happening and being like, this is what you need to do. That would have really interested me. But also what I find so interesting about that is that the dread doctors don't seem to give a fuck about Scott. They are working towards their beast thing. Yeah. With the, and their problem with Scott is just that he's getting in their way. It yes. has nothing to do with him being a true alpha. It has nothing to do with his pack. It is just that they are an inconvenience. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? No. I mean, like, why but yeah. <laughs> other than that please <laughs> yeah no yeah what are some of your observations okay i really liked the dispatch call at the beginning yeah i thought that was fun i thought that the directing in this episode is good russell mm-hmm. um yeah i liked the dispatch call in the beginning i thought that that was fun i well and i when i also think about like how teen wolf can be chaotic that is how i want it to be chaotic not a bunch of 30 second click cut scenes you know i want to watch i want to I want to know. I want to watch. I want to know. Yeah. Um, do you have any observations? Um, I think I've said most of them. Um, there's a, there's a moment where, um, Liam and Scott crash through the skylight of the library, which is just ripped from Highlander, um, from the final fight scene. And I love that. Um, and when Hayden dies, she like cries one mercury tear, which I actually really liked. I thought it looked really cool. My last observation was about Hayden's death. I thought that mm-hmm. it was so, so good that Liam just lets Parrish take her. And I think that maybe the in-show explanation is that Liam knows that Parrish would kill him if he tried to stop it. But I like to think in my interpretation that Liam knows that he's taking her to like, be amongst the dead and like be where she belongs now. And like grief is a burden. Um, grief is a burden. It weighs you down. And so the fact that Parrish is offering to take at least some of that Mm -hmm. from Liam, I think is very tender and again, reinforces the idea that like Parrish, the hellhound is a force of good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because death does not always have to equate to evil. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've mentioned this before. Like, we even see a flashback to the, some of the original dreams of him, like, carrying the bodies naked, which in the Teen Wolf universe is, like, supposed to be a little bit, like, mm, sexy, but I think it's so vulnerable and open and, like, caring about how we... Approaching de- death in the way that it, it approaches us. And um, I th- well, and I think it's so consistent with Parrish's character, too. Um, I just think about the scene of him on the bus thinking that he's going to disarm a bomb. Yeah. Um, and how kind and, and empathetic that he is during that scene. Like it just makes 
total sense that he would be kind of this person who would bear himself to be of assistance to the dead. Yes, I agree. Um, do you have an alpha of the week? Oh, pack stats. Pack stats. Tell us about um, them. Lots of eyes. Cool. Actually, this is a good episode for pack stats. I'm not going to lie. Um, eight eyes, three claws, one shirt. Theo is fully naked, so I'm actually going to call it two. Yeah. Um, Malia, as good as says, you're showing me your penis. Um, she does. She's, yeah. She basically is like, you're showing me plenty, maybe too much. Um, we've got the uh, the Toyota ads. There was a siren in the show. Oh, does Theo drive a Toyota? Um, no, Malia does. Okay, I feel like Theo drives another big car. Com- I feel like he drives a Chevy or something we've seen I think before. he drives a Chevy, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. That's GM. Chevy. It's a GM model. Oh, yes, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anywho. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, do you have an alpha of the week? Brayden. It's Brayden. Brayden, yeah. She saves Malia. She she showed up, and I was like, finally, a return to form. I really needed her. And I was just kind of like, I wish Derek were here. Apparently, Chris comes back in the next episode. Uh, I... I have gone on record as not really enjoying um, guns, but God, somebody needs to wield a gun in this show. Well, I, I would think, obviously, like, I don't think that anybody needs to own a firearm. In uh, real life. In real life, no. But it, it actually detracts from the physical language of the show to not have them anymore. I would agree. It's, um, oh God, the Liam Scott fight scene was so long, not in a bad way, but like, no, it was, it was boring. And again, it was kept on getting like spliced with all this other shit. And I was like, just focus, please focus. Frustrating. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. It was Brayden also your alpha of the week. Yes. Yeah, totally. I love you. Otherwise it would go to no one. Yes. Um, sorry for a less than positive episode guys. I, I I know that there are a lot of season five fans and I would really love to hear from them because I would love to be swayed on these opinions. I want to hear the engagement. I know we both do. We want to talk about this season. I do not want to feel like an authority on it, whether or not it's good or bad, even though I believe it's bad. Um, (laughs) So please reach out. You guys can do that uh, at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf on Twitter and Instagram. Our Tumblr is Teen Wolf Rewolf. Our Facebook group is Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. Join it. We'll talk about it. Um, Like I said in the beginning of the episode, if you want to buy us a coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. We're not asking. It's just a link in our bio. And if you want a Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast sticker, you can go to Redbubble and search Teen Wolf Rewolf. Another link in our bio. You don't have to work that hard to try to find them. But I uh, love my new Christmas is Deeply Haunted sticker, and I think we're going to have new designs out soon. Um, We love you guys. That's a that's a true fact. We really do. We love you. Um, you guys are our alpha of the week. Aww. And we hope you have a wolf of a week. Uh, uh.